I'm Dermot Hussey. Welcome to Riffin Radio, the podcast. It's a collection of interviews with artists from various genres, spanning three decades and giving more context to the music we love. Max Supris, one of the most internationally popular of reggae singers, had his first success with a series of cover songs that brought him not only chart success, but wide popularity. In 1988, he connected with his Jamaican roots, and I spoke to him then. Tell us, I mean, something about how you got into music. Well, I started off on a um, sound system. You have a song called Saxon International, mm-hmm. along with people like um, Philip Levi, Peter King, um, Tipper Irie, Smiley Culture. And um, I just I met up on a guy them called um, Paul Robinson. Mm-hmm. And um, I wrote this song them called Hey Little Girl. And uh, we just kind of put money together and we just record. Record a tune and the tune go number eight in the reggae charts in England, and things just kick off from there. So since then, you've just been getting into more recordings and dealing with the fact that you get very popular in Britain at this time. Yeah, that's basically. Okay, the first album we've been featuring it. Uh, mm-hmm. That's you with caution. That's right. That had a different kind of direction in terms of the feel, the kind of material that you sang on the album. Would you say that? Well, everybody seems to say that it's have a different feel and different direction. I, um, it's not uh, something that I go out of my way to do. It's um, God's work. It's just home I come. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? But I notice everybody also speaks about your feeling for melody, um, singing with that loving kind of feeling. They describe your music as lovers rock, but how do you really feel about your music? Um, well, I've I've sat down and thought about that myself personally, but um, it's like I don't even really know where to put my music. I think it's just a gift that God gave me, and um, basically I have to kind of give thanks for where it reached. You know what I mean? I'm not really sure where. You can put the style of music. It's all kind of style. I mean, Misa Yota loves soul. I love roots reggae. I love the lovers rock, and I love all kind of style. And it's I think all of those kind of music they play a part within my music. As a brother who was born in Britain, mm. out of uh, a Jamaican root, mm. how do you feel about Jamaica? Boy, I love Jamaica. <laughs> I can see it on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jamaica. Uh, from a youth, um, I was always inquisitive about where my mother come from and where my people and background lie, um, away from Africa originally. But um, I was all—I always used to ask my mother questions about Jamaica and how she used to live. And you know, I was always a youth who would sit down with my mom and discuss Bible reasoning and and how she used to live back home and that kind of thing. And I was always a youth who wanted to know where I come from, you know. So uh, you find, so basically that's where I kind of hold on to my roots as a youth who born in England. But this is not your first visit to Jamaica, though. This is my first visit to England, to Jamaica. What? 
So I can imagine what's going through your mind now. <laughs> <laughs> million and one things. <laughs> you know, when I first come here, I was kind of dazzled, you know, as um, a youth who just first come here. But um, me as a youth who kind of grew up amongst um, most Jamaican youth in England, you know. Mm-hmm. I, 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 um, I move around with mostly um, Jamaican youth, you know. And... Um, like I said, me as a youth, I always inquisitive for knowing so where my people come from, you know. What about the influence of Jamaican music on the development of Oh, Europe? definitely, definitely. Would definitely. you single out any artists in particular that are? Oh, definitely. I mean, people like Dennis Brown, Freddie McGregor, Alton Ellis, Babande. But mostly Studio One artists. I me as a youth were devoted to Studio One music, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. How are you trying now in terms of you've been doing an album at that's right at Music Mountain? Yeah. Uh tell us about that if you can. Right. Um I'm doing an album at Music Mountain with uh, Will Lindo and Sly and Robbie. And um I uh, brought most of the stuff from, from England and we done some of the stuff over here. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's working out very well. I mean, we're on the last track at the moment. I mean, when I leave here from when I leave here, I'm going back up to Music Mountain to do the last track for the album, and everything is going fantastic. So you're recording and mixing it here, then? That's right. And this again would be still another feel as against Intentions, which is which is the most recent album. Yeah, it's uh, you see, with my music is not a um, there's no sit down and say, well, then, boy, we're going to um, build this song for that kind of angler, whatever angler. Just doing it. It's a do-it situation, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a spirit where you, you, I get certain songs and according to the song, it's according to all the, the music turn out. Riffin Radio. What, what sort of prompted you to cover Van Morrison tune in your own style? Well, the song was brought to me by my management. Um, I never really liked it. You mean Cantankerous Erskine Thompson? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> he he um, approached me with the music. Um, we never, I never really liked it at first. But um, as I learned the song and learned the meaning of the song, I kind of put my vibe into it. And everybody says, well, then, you know, that's the first time I've ever really heard that song with the kind of feeling in it, mm. you know? How do you feel as an artist, a, uh, well, not a Jamaican artist, but a British artist, uh, do you feel that you must only do your own material or you're prepared to make this thing as big as it really is, like the universe, music? Well, you see, I think I want to go as far as music business can take me, you know? Mm-hmm. That means, like, all over the world, you know? Bob done a hell of a lot, and if I can, I personally want to do a lot more. You know, mm-hmm. there's no limit. There's no limit to music. Anybody feel that there's a limit to music? I think they're holding back themselves somewhere along the line. Because I notice, for instance, that you do, you deal with dance hall as easily as anything else. Everything from dance hall to soul, jazz, anything, anything that is good to the, to the air, to me, I will go for. You mentioned Bob Marley a while ago as mm-hmm. having done a hell of a lot. Did he have any special, particular influence on you? Oh, definitely. In Concerning um, 
lyrically. You know, that man that was very, very cute when it comes to lyrics. Mm. You so know, what you do, you you most mostly your writing. Well, I do I do a hell of a lot of my writing. Me and a, um, a guy that called um, Paul Robinson, and um, I think Bob's most influence to me concerning writing is that you know the, the kind of words that he used to bring over like a, a big subject. He used very small and cute words, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Um, that is one of his influences over me. What about message? Music, as say what Bob was very much into, as well as Bob was also into love songs, as you are. Uh, how do you feel about that kind of music? Well, um, to me, Bob was a, um, a messenger, you know, and he was uh, a direct spokesman for, for our people, you know. Um, I don't really feel that I'm in that kind of category. You know, um, according to the the vibes that come to me, is how I bring my songs out. If it's if it's a roots vibe, then it's a roots song. If it's a love song, it's a love song. I don't really have um, a direct uh, outlook to my work. My work goes from one extreme to the other. You know, mm. this is something that you might find embarrassing to answer mm-hmm. but one of the things that I keep hearing people say about you is that you're very popular with the women in Britain <laughs> well that is that is something that I think I should give thanks for sure sure I mean it's one of, it's one of your best assets but do they tell you what it is in music or your performance or what uh, well I hear a lot of people say it's my voice but um, you know Self-praise is no recommendation, and um, I would like somebody else to answer that. <laughs> so maybe if there are any ladies out there who are familiar uh, with your music, in fact, some girls asked me to get some autographs. <laughs> I mean, so that's something interesting. But the songs that you've been working on with with Paul Robinson are very warm to things like melody and construction of lyric and yeah. song. Well, all, all of that stems from um, my listening from the old Studio One music. You know, Studio One was always filled with melody. Always filled with melody. You know, and that was how I learned to sing from artists that came from Studio One. You know, and I always learned to sing with a melody. Without a melody, there is no sound, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. What about <laughs> musical instruments? Do you play any? I don't play none, <laughs> which is a funny thing. But um, you know, I personally am an instrument. The know, human voice, the first instrument. That's right. Mm-hmm. What about Sunsplash? Your first performance in Jamaica. Uh, how do you feel about that? Boy, I'm over the moon to even be here to even play a part in in Sunsplash is something special to me, you know? To so come and perform in front of my people, my own people. So you're going to, as your song says, you're going to show your con. Every time. <laughs> you're listening to Riffin Radio. People speak about that in Britain, a lot of the young brothers who have the, who have, you know, independent companies, 
small companies like Ten Records, which releases your your work. I mean, you're sub-licensed to, to Virgin, is that it? That's right. Mm -hmm. What do you say about the music industry? A lot of people say that reggae has suffered from not having a proper music industry set up in terms of the the roles. You know, that one of the things that makes the American music industry so big because, okay, it was established a long time ago, 1920s. You have publisher, you have producer. All those things are clearly yeah. marked copyright law and so on. Mm -hmm. As a young artist who is getting somewhere um, and has had a couple of hits and what have you, yeah. what do you see really to be the music industry and what you want out of it? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> personally, I want to reach the top wherever it is, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think most of the reggae music is lacking uh, promotion, you know. Um, you have to spend a, a certain amount of money on promotion, you know, and you find that most of the uh, record companies, the regular record companies, don't really have that much money to kind of uh, spend on promotion, you know. And um, on the other hand, it's like, it's, it's a funny thing. I mean, most of the big uh, recording companies, them, it's like they kind of find it hard to... Uh, Stoop down in 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 respective of um, with reggae music, you have to kind of start from a ground level to kind of pick up everything up. You know, they um, they tend to want to deal with people that have money instead of um, dealing with people that ain't got money but got good talent. Yeah, they don't want this, they they want the thing to be ready already. Already, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, I think this is one of the things that they say about the American attitude to reggae, that um, it's too risky. In any case, they know about black American music, which they consider to be their own. Um, they know how to exploit it to make money, and they, mm -hmm. don't want to, they don't want to touch reggae, especially in North America. There's a great resistance to it in North America, but it's still, it's still getting there. But how you see uh, the questions of um, copyright and a kind of structure around you that you can go out there and deal with performing on stage when you know that everything's set up. You have a, a manager who's taking care of your business. You make your press interviews on time. You deal with, you wear, because music, as you know, is show. Yeah. A lot of it is style and fashion, mm -hmm. what you wear and how women see you on stage <laughs> or whether you're sexy or you're not sexy, whether you have a body or you're a big belly man. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's yeah. all that. You know yeah. that music. Yeah. You have to have an attitude in the business, you know. Um, it's like you have to get your priorities them right. You know, you have to have a manager, a good manager. You have to have a good lawyer. And you have to kind of uh, find out the business yourself, mm. you know. We, that inquires a good attitude, you know what I mean. Um, basically, you have to kind of learn the business, you know, and have a serious attitude that you want to know the business so that nobody can rip you off, you know. Have you been ripped off yet? <laughs> 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 I think you better tell me the person who hasn't. <laughs> true, true. Oh, wow. In yeah. some way or another, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, it's a common experience. I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of Jamaican artists perhaps get paranoid about dealing with managers and producers. Mm -hmm. Because that kind of relationship 
works, you know, in a kind of a way, but is not as successful exploited as it could be. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. That's that's um, basically where I say you have to have a definite attitude to want to know the business, know the whole ins and outs of the business, so that you know if you have a manager, whatever he says to you, you can understand what he's saying to you. In you know because although you have a manager, a manager can still rip you off. Sure, sure. You know? I mean, it's part of the game. That's right. It's 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 a uh, it's a funny business. It's a hell of a funny business. But you're prepared to deal with all those uh, crevices and corners. And yeah, because I, I love music. Okay. Every time. Riffin Radio. I see a lot of people say that one of the things that reggae music needs right now are good songs. People say they can't find good songs. Some of the songs are too try too simple, you know, this, that, the other. How do you, fi- do you find it easy to come upon good songs? Well, I think it's Always difficult to come upon a good song. But, um, you see, I, I write songs off of the vibe, you know. If I'm walking down the road and I get a vibe comes to me, that's how a lot of my songs come, you know. Uh, it's hard to really explain, you know, where where songs come from. I mean, you sit down and, and a song might just come in a years and, you put a melody to it, and the song is wicked. If the song is wicked, you give thanks. <laughs> mm. So um, imagine, for instance, if you're saying that you're, you're working off a vibe, and Jamaica, you're coming to Jamaica the first time at the age of 26. Holy per vibe. Holy per vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to see a different... We're going to see holy per songs then. Definitely. Do you have any particular preference for a special kind of song, or do you, or is it, I mean, something that, you know, you're open, or is there a kind of song that you would say that you could be identified with? Um, I, I would like to think that I'm open, you know. It's like I said before, um, from one extreme to another, soul, reggae, mm-hmm. okay. all sorts. We've been featuring your album, Intentions. Pull a, pull a track. I mean, you obviously have your own favorites as well as the public has its own favorites. <laughs> we have played Woman in You, we, where we took the, the, the 45, mm-hmm. that live version. Jehovah. Oh, Jehovah. You heard Donovan Dakers is with us this evening. Oh, Jehovah. Okay, tell us about this particular song and if there's any story behind it. Well, I think personally that the song will tell you all of that. Itself. <laughs> I what the man said, Jehovah. You're listening to Riffin Radio. Have you been able to make any kind of impact on the American market yet? Yeah, well, um, right now it's like me. I hear a lot of vibes coming from America, Miami and New York and quite a few places in uh, California. I've heard that there's a response out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But no kind of firm offers or... Anything? Well, I've been offered quite a few shows. A hell of a lot of shows have been turned on towards America since the um, beginning of this year. Why did you turn those shows down? Um, uh, basically because we was, we was touring in, in um, Germany and we was doing a, a European tour. And also we had the plan of coming over here to do the LP and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, Who are you on tour with? Select Committee? Yeah, that's right. Is that the group that you normally... Use in England, yeah. 
uh, are those brothers that grew up with you? Tell us about some of them. Um, you have a brother named Mafia who is over here with me from mm -hmm. Instigators. He, he plays bass for me mm -hmm. and he shall also be on the Sunsplash. And you have a brother called Bigger um, who plays keyboards for Aswad also, as well as me and uh, Israelites. And he also plays keyboards for Freddie McGregor as well. Oh, so it's a tight, tight circuit. Yeah. That's why they call a select committee. <laughs> <laughs> this song, uh, Crimea River. That's right. Okay, tell us. Um, well, this song, personally, I would like to kind of devote to um, the children in Ethiopia, in Africa. Crimea River that passed away to set my people free. I can hear the sound of Aswan's influence yeah. there. Definitely. Was that yourself and Drumizel? That's right. Me, Drumizel, and Tony Gat. That's unmistakable kind of Aswad dub sound mm -hmm. that they always got. No respect to them, man. Hey, why did this tune not get any more along the road? Somehow, it, and it's a very good tune, I find. I don't know. I think this is the same thing with um, culture all over. I think once you sing some form of culture, it seems to get a fight that, you know, only God knows why. I don't know. It always gets a fight. From the word culture, it seems to get a fight. I don't know why. You find that amongst all peoples? I find that amongst, um, in the few places that I've been, you know, um, culture finds it hard to get through. I don't know why. Whereas if... To just take something that's popular, we, we have a situation in Jamaica where people complain about slackness. Well, you And know, that gets over big. I don't uproll again. slackness. I don't uproll slackness. Not at all. I'm not into that. You okay. Know, as if, if, if one but that gets over big as a, well, compared to culture. Well, this is it. And I mean, <laughs> you know, what's going on? What is wrong? Where are we going? You know, where do we start? Where do we end? You know, I mean, slackness is not teaching my youth nothing. No disrespect to no one, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, recording business is a very serious business. Uh, there's a hell of a lot of people out there that are getting influenced according to what comes off of record. Mm -hmm. And if one is telling one about... Whatever. You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know, that I is tell you. personally something private. Okay. Yeah. Bob Marley once said mm -hmm. that in his travels around the world, mm -hmm. the firmest raster man them that he came across were those that he met in Britain. Well, what did he really mean by that? Well, to answer that, I would really like to first say enough respect for that because there is a fight and the youth them in England as raster youth are fighting that fight. And, um, you know, I personally feel within the little traveling that I have done also that um, I find that most of the Jamaican background youth in England seem to hold firm and stand firm as a Jamaican black youth more than any other country. That is my personal mm -hmm. thing or what I've seen, you know, in the little travelings that I've done. But enough respect for that from Bob. Because serious. Well, I think 
from what I could, because I was in his presence when he made that remark. Mm -hmm. And I believe what he was saying was that he found that they were organized, that they were doing things, Mm -hmm. that they had the kind of strength. Because Bob Marley was one of the firmest supporters of Steel Pulse Mm -hmm. when he used to go on tour. Mm-hmm. And the music that they used to play on the bus were people like uh, Steel Pulse, I German, That's right. artists like that. So, and I mean, Steel Pulse are, and groups like Aswa, they're all brothers like yourself who sprang up out in that, yeah. that British experience. We're all in the same one corner. Yeah. How do you see the business in Britain in terms of the rewards? Are they, I mean, sufficiently encouraging for you at this point? I know you're, you're ambitious, that you say you want to go to the top, <laughs> okay? And that is always a good positive value and vibe to have. Well, um, you know, this is my um, first time round in the business, as you would say. Mm-hmm. I've been in the business now about <clears throat> about four, four years maximum. Mm. And um, for what I've achieved, I must give thanks for. And... Um, what I have been, what I have been given, I also give thanks for, and it is very encouraging for me personally to go forward and achieve much more. I've collected, sorry, I've collected quite a few awards in England. Can you tell us some of them? Uh, I got the best male vocalist of the year. I can't, I can't remember exactly which year that was. Well, 1986. At, um, 1986, I got the best male vocalist and also the best um, artist. Mm-hmm. And um, I also got the best single one year. <laughs> Quite a few, I can't remember them. <laughs> okay, but that that's very impressive for definitely. an artist who's just been in the business for four years. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I have to respect that and give thanks for that every time. You've just heard part one of a two-part interview with Maxi Priest. Join us again next week for part two. I'm Dermot Hussey. This is the podcast, Riffin Radio. Thanks for listening to Riffin Radio with Dermot Hussey. Be sure to like us and subscribe. We put out a podcast a week. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at R-I-F-F-I-N Radio. Facebook, Dermot Hussey. And check out our YouTube channel, Riffin Radio.